0: What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a
2: local. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com.
3: The Hunting Collective is presented by Element.
1: I guess I grew up on an older road.
3: Hey everybody and
4: welcome to another episode of the Hunting Collective. I I am Ben O'Brien and I am joined by Philip T Engineer. Say hello, Philip.
3: Hello. Ben. Hey how you doing, buddy? Not like that. Don't say hello like that. Oh. I was just trying to sound like you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm doing I'm doing good. Yeah. Good.
4: Good. Good. Now we have cover off on Halloween quickly. Sure. Uh, I dressed up like a stormtrooper. My wife dressed up like a stormtrooper. My son was Kylo Ren. We scored the mother load of candy, above all motherloads of candy. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty first, first world stuff over here. We got piles of Reese cups, uh, and we did. We were able to identify the houses in my neighborhood that gave out the full size candy bars. And I went on my Onyx maps and I put a little waypoints on their homes. So next year, I know what my strategy is. Uh, how did it go over there for you?
3: Oh, it it went pretty well. We didn't. We only went to a few houses for trick or treating, but then we handed out candy. And my oldest son said that he enjoyed that just as much as getting the candy. So wow! I don't know. He's either a really weird kid or or he's he's got a good heart. I think he's got a good heart. He's got oh, empathy. Thanks.
4: I, I think, having not met the young lad, I feel uh, that's, that shows a lot. A lot of character from your little guy there.
3: Yeah. Oh, well, actually, I, I think he's just a freak.
4: <laughs> he's, just, he's just weird for being nice in this day and age. But, anyway, yeah, I'm a little bit – I just don't know now as a father uh, and a person who tries to uh, stay alive what I'm supposed to do with all this candy because I'm eating so much of it. My son has kind of a pitch count. He gets one a day. He gets one piece a day, right? This is mm-hmm. he's he's working on kind of a very a very curated schedule. But me, when everybody goes to bed, I'm sitting around the house with a bucket of candy. Dangerous. And I yeah. So I don't know. Do you have any advice? Any like Doctor Phil Medicine Woman advice for, for people in this situation?
3: uh i mean you just gotta have self-control i'm gonna share a not so sharp moment with you ben are you ready please this might be early and it's not mine it's my son's uh please he had a halloween party at his school the other day and um he ate so much candy that he got home walked through the front door and immediately vomited everywhere (laughs) so i mean that's that's the end of the story uh play the jingle phil um that you just gotta you gotta pace yourself you Mm -hmm. know yeah
4: yeah, I have, again, I have the mind of a child. And so I found myself, uh, if you'd like for me to paint the visual, paint the picture for you of last night when I was laying uh, in my underwear on the couch and uh, around me was like a smattering of wrappers
3: and, and there might have been like chocolate in my beard and it just didn't, wasn't good. Um if there's something, I mean, I, I, I feel worse surrounded by candy wrappers than i do like empty beer cans i, th- I feel i feel more shame with sugar yeah. than i do with alcohol
4: <laughs> that's right that's right uh, i consider this a cry for help because a lot of people are seeing that i that's telling me that maybe i talk about booze a lot on the show um i have i have my vices and right now it's those white chocolate ghost uh, shaped reesey cups and they're little I I and they're small all the
3: white chocolate reese's
4: yeah, well, there's none left over here, so don't come over. Oh, okay. um, but, but uh, we won't belabor this much, much more. But I ate about a half dozen of them babies last night. Uh, it was, it was glorious. But like you said, I didn't get, I don't get much out of it. When you're drinking, at least you get something out of it in terms of uh, inebriation. But when you're eating sugar, I mean, it's the ultimate quick high. You're like, this is delicious. Now it's gone. Look, there's twelve more. Uh huh. And so. Uh, there's nothing we can do I'm powerless against it powerless against it so um,
3: oh, we yeah, gotta I'll, move on I'm sending my thoughts
4: on. and prayers but thanks thoughts and prayers yep. um, we gotta move on today's episode is a good one of course you already listened this far you already invested three four minutes into this thing uh, but it's a good one I promise Jordan Jonas uh, is the is the man who won season six of the reality show alone now Phil have you seen
3: this show before Uh, I have seen the tile uh, in my Netflix interface I have not clicked (laughs) on it
4: though. (laughs) well at least you're aware of its existence right yeah he's a he's a much more interesting character than just the show he was on but if if you guys haven't watched the series alone specifically season six we'll take a quick break let you uh, binge watch all about eight hours of that content and we're back um So now you know what alone is all about, but Jordan Jonas won about half a million bucks by staying uh, longer than I think 11 other contestants out in the Arctic. Uh, He shot a moose with a trad bow. He built a shelter. He killed a wolverine with a hatchet in defense of his moose meat. Uh, He did some things that uh, make me feel real jealous in terms of going outside and surviving. He's also done a ton of things beyond just the television show that you need to hear about, including living with a group of tribal reindeer herders in Siberia called the Evenki people. So we covered that a lot on the, on that interview. You're going to stick around for that. But I will tell you, before we get to that, Phil, as always, the email inbox is, is hopping. Um, so thanks again for everybody for writing into THC at TheMediator.com. A lot of you... Had opinions about last week's show on wound loss, particularly s- stories relating to some of the things that I had to say, and that Sam Lungren had to say, and that Giannis Patelis had to say about wounding animals with archery um, or or rifle, etc. There's uh, you know dozens of emails here from people relating stories that that they hadn't shared publicly before, or maybe felt a little bit of shame around, or had only shared in the circles with folks that had been there or seen it. Um, so I'm not saying that we need to <laughs> live out in the open with, with wounding game, but it's certainly there's, – there's people around you that can relate if it happens to you, I guarantee it. And so um, if you were in a situation where you didn't really think that before, hopefully you, you, you get that now. Um, one of the craziest that came in came from Casey Bryson out of Utah, and he wrote in and he sent some pictures along with it, Phil. Phil, can you look up – look on my Instagram page. Have you seen – the last thing i posted
3: uh i Looked saw that up. the first picture i did not scroll through them yet though they're not that bad
4: in terms of of like uh, you know glenn bond photos they're, oh, they're sure <laughs> totally fine in the scale of glenn
3: bond if glenn bond is a 10 this is like an eight or a nine right no
4: if glenn bond's a 10 this is like a three something okay. um so if you go there, the first photo shows the knock and the back part of an arrow sticking through the hind quarter of a mule deer, spike yep. mule deer, and then the second photo shows uh, that same mule deer's testicles with a scab of some some kind on, on the left side of its testicles, and then the last photo is just of the spike deer still in velvet, and uh, Casey writes, I shot this spike buck today with my rifle we saw that it was still in velvet. When we arrived to the body, we noticed it had only one nut and a huge scab on its nut sack. We thought it got hung up on a fence, something like that, but after we got it home and hung it up in the garage, I noticed an uh, abnormal bump in the hind quarter. As I started to skin it and cut away the pus sacks that were there, I realized it was an arrow. I think someone shot the buck through the nut sack and the back half of the arrow stayed and bent it and its back leg. Craziest thing I've ever seen. I now believe that the scab is where one testicle had been sliced off and fallen out of the scrotum. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, these animals are tough SOBs. When we were watching the deer, it didn't have a limp or anything that would suggest it was injured at all. Casey, um, comments, Phil. Uh, Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one commenter on instagram said and i thought this was pretty funny uh he said t underscore hunter underscore l said bro now that you and phil have condemned poop stories for not so sharp moments i feel like you're set up for quite a few nutsack
3: stories after sharing this i mean honestly i'll take them i'll take the I'll you'll take, take them i'll take you the ball good? stories over the shit stories yeah,
4: I feel it. I feel you. Um, this one is way more painful, though. Um, maybe this is a a very sharp moment. But again, I mean, as much as you can, kind of laugh at this. It, it this happens. Um, obviously, there's there's very little. Um, uh, option here that somebody didn't miss horribly or took a bad shot on this this deer. Obviously, you're not aiming anywhere near the, the nutsack of a deer when you're trying to kill it. So, it just goes to show you this stuff's out there. A couple, I, I say about half a dozen or eight of you have sent in similar stories independently of each other before I posted that one, uh, talking about wounded game. We had uh, a, another guy, Sean Murray, out of British Columbia, who says that his son shot a moose earlier this fall. And he found that somebody had already taken a shot at the, near the same point, but it had a hole clean through the top part of its neck, and looked like it was healing up pretty good. Sent some pictures in, so there's a lot of that going on. Um, so again, if you're out there and this is happening, there's no action you can take if it happens to you. If you see, if you have a, uh, an animal down that where you, there's clearly evidence it was wounded. There's not a whole lot you can do about it other than learn from it and acknowledge it and, and really just move on with your hunting and, and just be aware that it happens and um, and just be taking a look at the frequency of which it happens around you and, you know, your contribution to making it better. That's all you can really do, but appreciate all the emails and that conversation. Also, Phil, we should, we should say that we have someone here that needs an opinion. And I think that opinion was going to require the return of a very important segment. Do you know Uh what that segment is? Uh, I have a guess. (laughs) (laughs) No one has asked for this. Uh, Especially me. Zero people have asked for this, but we're bringing it back anyway. It is the return of Dr. Phil, medicine woman. Dylan Lambert writes in. He didn't even write this to Phil, really. He just wrote it in general, but I think we need you on this one, Phil. Uh, He says, THC. I've been listening to the podcast for about a year now. I really listen to your input on situations within the hunting world. I've been hunting for a few years, but this year and last year are the first I've gotten pretty heavy into it. I live in Virginia and mainly target white-tailed deer. I've so far only filled a doe tag. I've dreamed of killing a buck and just having that rush as a buck walks up to me in the woods, but I've yet to have it happen. As I talk to multiple hunters, I often hear... That some people get very aggravated when a hunter kills a quote-unquote small buck. They all want you to kill quote-unquote monster bucks and leave the small ones for years to come. I understand where they are coming from, but in the same picture, I need to start somewhere. Should I have any guilt when I possibly kill a smaller buck? I'm not just hunting for the size of the rack. I also want the feeling of accomplishment as I put meat in the freezer that I know I killed. What is your opinion on hunters being angry or aggravated with other hunters and beginner hunters for killing small bucks and not letting them walk? Phil,
3: please. Input. Uh, Well, as a professional, um, I would just like to say I don't think you should feel guilty. Uh, At least, I mean, especially at first if if you haven't been hunting for very long. Um, As long as you're, you know, adhering to all the laws and regulations placed down by... The the people that you know listen to the science and everything, and tell you what you can and can't kill. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm thinking. I up. don't think you. I don't think you need to feel guilty. Am I? Am am I wrong about this, Ben?
4: No, you're not wrong about this at all. Um, I feel like this is something that a lot of new hunters run into, not only in their personal circles, but in social media, different places like that. Uh, veteran hunters are are probably want to actually promote the fact that they kill a spike or a basket rack deer or something like that. We certainly promote that on our show the back 40 with Mark Kenyon that we should be hunting mature bucks. But at the same time, Mark's dad, David Kenyon came over to the back 40 this year um and he shot the first re- respectable small buck that he got a, you know, got a crack at. And that his scenario is different than Mark's scenario. Mark Is hunts all the time. It's his profession. He has crafted this quality deer management ethic, along with the Quality Deer Management Association, and he's managing properties for uh, overall population dynamics, but also for his want to kill mature deer. And so his 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 perspective is totally different from his own father's perspective um, on the subject. And we celebrate both those things at the same time. So you know what I'm going to say next, Phil. Two things can be true at the same time. Uh, in this case, veteran hunters should be, you know, at, at some level looking for mature deer. Uh, it's good for the population dynamic, but also they should be promoting new hunters to come in and set their own expectations and let them kind of get get to uh, the larger, you know, trophy hunting aspect
3: in their own time, in their own way. Uh, right, Phil? That was very well said. Ben, I haven't agreed with anything more. Oh, really?
4: That's true. That's good. I kind of get sad when you mouth. agree. <laughs> I, I, I kind of get sad when you agree anymore. I want you to tell me uh, I don't know what I'm talking about.
3: Nah, so thanks. I don't have it yeah. in me today. Okay. Well, it gets boring. You sounded very smart. Thanks.
4: Appreciate yep. it. Uh, so Dylan, go forward, Kill deer and and enjoy your kind of approach to it. Certainly, as long as you're, as as Philip said, there uh, you're in the bounds of the game, agencies and and the laws they lay down on you. Beyond that, um, do it, but also be in the mind that those veteran hunters are there for that. They have that opinion for a reason because they've they've been through what you're about to go through, and the end game is continually challenge yourself and to start looking at the wider picture. So that is that, and now Phil, not so short moment. Play the jingle. Work
3: sharp, not so sharp moments. Sharp, so you don't have to be.
0: Season two, yeah.
4: Okay, Phil, I think we have um, a non-poop story here. Well, good because I wouldn't allow anything else. (laughs) People are people are. um, I feel like they want to fight back against you here. I've got a few DMs on Instagram for people that are. They want to. They want freedom. They they don't want censorship. Come at me, in bro. A, in an election year, they want no censorship. They want to be free to express themselves in the way that they wish, and they don't want to be censored by the likes of you. so okay, well, engineer. It's,
3: it's, it's them or me, Ben. If, <laughs> oh man,
4: I choose you. I guess. Great, um, thank you. But much like in an election, you put me between the lesser of two evils. But I I will I'll choose you. Um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Fred Larson says, My oldest daughter, 14, and I recently went on her first quote-unquote real hunt. I used the quotation marks as she had been on one prior hunt, but as an apprentice hunter. And this year, she not only completed her hunter safety course in the spring, she also drew a youth hunt whitetail tag on some public land here in Tennessee. As the day drew closer, she became more excited as she practiced with her rifle to the point she grouped and zeroed at 150 yards with two-inch groups and passed Steve Frenella's milk jug test at almost 200 yards unsupported. She was ready for her first hunt, but not looking forward to the early morning. I had set the two-person stand on a field edge just over a mile off the road up a trail where we had to hike in in the pre-dawn, and we did as quietly as an excited new hunter could. We settled in and waited for legal light and hopefully our first sight of a deer. Her tag was for either sex and she was hopeful to get just anything as I have not much success over the last few years myself. I'm also new. Well, sunrise came as we sat eagerly awaiting our first opportunity of tentatively listening to the woods come to life. She suddenly hears clang, bang, bong, tink, thud. I dropped my thermos of coffee and it must have hit every single metal step on the way down before thumping off a tree. We decided to wait about an hour and see if I didn't manage to scare everything away. But alas, nothing showed. I am now feeling like the biggest jackass on the planet. We agreed to go warm up at the truck and take a nap at the house, thankfully only a 45-minute drive away, and come back for an evening sit, which worked better than I could have hoped for. With about two hours till sunset, a couple of spiked bucks stepped out across the field at 100 yards, and she took her first deer and the first buck of her family. Oh, that's pretty cool. So now you know my not so sharp moment, but why is this example for Phil T. Engineer? My daughter collects shiny. <laughs> I don't even know how to say this, but you might know Phil. My daughter collects shinies and Pokemon capturing.
3: Yes, ben, a shiny version is just a rarer version of a Pokemon.
4: Oh, Okay. She's yep. capturing herself. No trading. Sorry, Ben. Maybe Phil will explain it because I don't even know what's going on here she's but talking plays,
3: about pokemon go probably yeah.
4: plays Animal crossing on her switch animal don't crossing
3: know, singular animal crossing new don't Horizons. know what's what's a switch it's the it's the most current nintendo game console ben oh okay
4: and several other games beside being an all a student in advanced classes as a freshman in high school If she can manage all that in addition to normal chores around high school craziness and this new pandemic madness, surely Phil can finish his hunter safety. P.S. My 10-year-old daughter completed hers as well with both of them doing the online course and then having to attend in-person field day in Tennessee to pass. Thanks, Fred Larson. Play the jingle, Phil!
3: Work sharp, not-so-sharp moments Sharp so you don't have to be. Season 2! Yeah, I am starting to sound like some kind of weird 80s radio guy. Yeah, kind of. uh, well, Fred, um, I've got something to say to you and to Ben mm. and the audience, mm-hmm. and that is that I have finished my Hunter's safety. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs>
4: yes. we you doubt it. I'm uh, here on election day. I've never been more proud to be an American, uh, <laughs> where at least I know uh, I'm free, and I won't forget the men who died and gave and passed the their right hunter's safety to pass his hunter's safety
3: course. Uh, please, I speech speech. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't have much to say. I yeah. Uh, I just you know, it was hard work, but I had to get it done for for you and for. Mo- actually mainly for you for, for yanni
4: <laughs> i know i always felt that when yanni would give you shit you'd be like you you get up and you'd move when i would it would almost like it was like quicksand you would sink further into the non-action
3: yeah well i mean in in actuality it wasn't difficult i just it, it was time consuming <laughs> though i because they've got I mean, when you do it online you got this little timer they 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 throw up a, a card and they're like it takes oh. you si- what why? I don't know. Man. I'm just excited. I'm just making noises. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they threw up a little card and it takes you seven seconds to read it. And then it's like, you have to wait a minute and a half before you can hit the next mm. button. And, you know, it's just, they don't, it's, you know, I understand why they want you to retain the information and really get it in there. But mm. it was just a, it was a pain in the ass, but I learned mm. a lot. I'm glad I did it. And, okay. uh, you know, All passed right. my well, test I'm, with I, flying colors.
4: At this point, uh, next episode, we're gonna have Phil give a, a what he learned. We're gonna have a what you Learn segment, and we'll, we'll have you give the listeners a little bit of what you learned. Great, uh, I've so, forgotten
3: half of it already. So I know hurry that's up. Why <laughs> <I'm hurrying
4: laughs> up, man. This is great. I didn't. Phil just dropped that in. Uh, by the by, Fred Larson, you're gonna get yourself one of those uh, wonderful uh, field sharpeners from WorkSharp. and if you, Fred, go over to their YouTube page, they got all kinds of really cool sharpening tips, hot tips weekly going up over there, the YouTube page. Thank you again to our friends at WorkSharp for doing what they do. Um, man, this is a, this is really it, man. For all of you people that thought, well, you know, I just voted. I don't know if I have anything to look forward to. You now have Phil's first hunt to look forward to. And Phil, do you feel like we're going to get it done this year? I'm feeling pretty good about it.
3: I, I mean, I, I hope so. I don't know what the, uh, I mean, so I'm not educated good. enough to know about season lengths so good stuff like that, but don't I hope worry. we can squeeze it in there.
4: And I think about hunting, there's always something going on, and so I now will spend the rest of my week planning some glorious event for Great. us to take you out there. And then thinking about what, you know, what's in it for me, that's uh, what I'll be thinking about at that time. Yep. Okay. Well, we got to get to our buddy, Jordan Jonas. Um before we do that, Phil, you voted. I voted. Uh, I am voting tomorrow. Well, I guess when you're hearing this, I will probably be voting on the day of the election, uh, Tuesday, November third. So I'll be out there voting. I will. Quick. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking about the election or or what it means and all this stuff. I think most of the, most of the cliches have already been uttered. Most people have have given their opinions one way or the other. I will just say, if any of you followed me on Instagram, you saw that I posted a what I thought was a joke about a, a Trump sign on a uh, dilapidated building in eastern Montana. I was out hunting deer and saw this building, thought this is funny, made a post. Well, it turned into um, hundreds of comments, some uh, positive, mostly negative, lots of name calling, lots of rushes to judgment, um, lots of... I've lost complete faith in you. I will never listen to you again. Things of that nature from a lot of people in the comments section on Instagram. Uh, you know, my friend Joe Rogan always says, don't read the comments. But in this case, I think it's important to kind of get an idea of where we're at as a country and maybe as a as, uh, listenership to this podcast, where this is, uh, this stuff's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about who you voted for, it's hard to talk about why you did so. Um, and it just has become something where we all self-censor uh, because we don't want people to hate us. Uh, we do want to, in the case of somebody like me who has an audience on the podcast, I don't want to lose anybody from listening to this show, um, and I don't want to lose anybody from being a follower of mine on Instagram. All that's important to me and the business of doing this here program. So um, that was not – I didn't enjoy that, but but certainly my response to that was, listen, I'm happy to share who I voted for. I'm happy to share why um, I'm not. I don't really. I've never been in the camp to self-censor because I'm afraid of criticism. I'm not afraid of somebody's snap judgment. I'm not afraid of someone calling me a liberal or a conservative. Um, it certainly gets nastier than that. It seems in 2020, and so I say all that to say um, I'll. Ap- I happily shared in in that post who I voted for on a couple of issues. Um, i also want to say that this podcast and my social media if you're one of those folks that hear that i voted for one person or in particular or another and immediately um, want to jump jump ship or say that i'm i'm hateful or racist or whatever um, the folks that want to say that it's probably not a real good place for you to be anyway because um, we're going to continue to push these dogmas we're gonna we're gonna take a look at the orthodoxies on both sides and try to push them. We're going to talk to people we disagree with. We are not going to be an echo chamber. And if you're looking to only come to a place where you're going to feel accepted and affirmed and comfortable, this probably isn't going to be that there's certainly many places that will just affirm these ideas that you have and not challenge them. So in that way, um, I hope this can be a place where people can come to be challenged, come to think for themselves and form ideas based on information that you gather, not ideologies that you share with someone. And so I, no matter what happens in this election, I hope that, that this can stand for this show and for my social media and whatever else that I roll, this is, this is how it's going to be. Um, not only with vegans, but with. Um, you know, gun control activists, or people that agree, that disagree with climate change, or anyone that disagrees with any of the things that I kind of hold to be true, are important to me at the very least. Um, we're going to go and and talk to those folks and see what we can learn. You certainly, I'll certainly be sharing some thoughts um, on Instagram. And when I vote, I've got some things I want to say. Continue to say them. Um, but uh, like I said, bottom line, it is important to to test your own ideas. And to get yourself in a position where you're comfortable if someone disagrees with you. And if you if you're not comfortable, you should probably take a look at yourself and see what you can do a little bit better. So that's it. We're gonna to get to a totally different topic. Now we're gonna to talk to our friend Jordan Jonas, season six winner of Alone, all kinds of stuff. He rode a reindeer one time, one time he killed a Wolverine with a hatchet. He's just a generally good dude. So you're gonna enjoy it. Jordan Jonas.
2: Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want. And mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code Eater because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MeatEater. AuraFrames.com, promo code Eater. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some, you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. You just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater.
0: What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local.
4: Jordan, what's up, man? How's it going? Oh, it's not that bad. I uh sorry about cutting this antelope up. We had Yeah, (laughs) see
1: you're at work over there. That's good.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, these Uh, days we're so busy these days that you gotta uh you gotta work and work at the same time. So the season. Yeah. Rather than uh just just podcasts, I figure you might as well. Making neck have <laughs> an antelope while we're at it, yeah. Got yeah, a multi test. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice, so, you're, you're
1: making good progress. Oh, uh,
2: yeah,
4: man. I'm I got a couple uh hindquarters taken apart and uh <laughs> the neck deboned.
1: So, you uh, got me jealous at least. That's good. Oh man, you feel it. <laughs> <laughs> it. So, you're in Virginia, you said, Lynchburg. I am, yeah, yeah. Lynchburg, Virginia,
4: yeah. I was just listening to the podcast you did with Rogan, so I feel like I got a oh, lot of right the background, on. man. But, um, yeah. I think we got to tell people how you got to Virginia by okay. way by way of traveling in <laughs> train cars.
1: Yeah, we rode uh, my brother did it a lot when he was he was my older brother and he would uh spent years just riding freight trains all across the country up and down the coasts and back and forth and uh he invited me to go with him when I was 18 or so and and uh yeah hopped on a freight train and we went across the country and ended up we would end up stopping in virginia a lot to do temporary work for some guy and uh (laughs) and long story short that's what kind of stuck us here in the long run but yeah (laughs) had some adventures doing that
4: of all the things you've done man that was like the the most interesting part to me because your brother was doing it for seven years and you right. guys would literally just get on an open train car and ride yeah. until you didn't feel like riding anymore.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. Some of the coolest rides are up there through where you're at, up in Montana yeah. and uh, North Idaho and stuff. Just beautiful because the trains, you know, follow the rivers and the animals aren't really that afraid of them anymore. So you you see a lot of... the country a lot of nature it's actually a pretty cool way to travel if if you're not in a hurry (laughs)
4: what drove you to do that because you were in idaho right you grew up in idaho i was
1: in idaho and i was just working i'd been working a concrete job well no then i was at whatever the salad dressing factory (laughs) and and my brother uh just invited me to come along and why why not what am i what am i doing so i so i just joined him and went across the country up and down the east coast and then. I we came back and at some point I split off from him and came back to Idaho uh, on my own. So that was kind of cool. First experience, you know, a week or so alone. That was yeah, that was kind of neat. And then, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess just a sense of adventure or something. Trying to switch it up <laughs> well yes yeah, i did it yeah it seems
4: like there's a lot of foreshadowing in that because you're <laughs> now uh, well known for being on a show called alone but all oh, right oh, you, yeah it, it seems like it was see it seemed like that you know we'll get to the show because i want to talk mm-hmm. about that of course but mm-hmm. it seems like that's just a little bit of part of who you are man like because there's not a lot of people that would follow that wanderlust and literally just jump on a train and see where it took you
1: yeah, you didn't run, run into a lot of other passengers. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't like no, a first class. and a, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they weren't very crowded, I guess. <laughs> Maybe in the 20s. No, but the, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, definitely, especially when you're young like that, you can kind of get stuck just doing a job, and it's like, well, why, why am I doing this? I'm not, you know, I didn't have a family to support or anything. I might as well fill up some experiences and yeah. you know one thing leads to another and they ended up in Virginia and ended up you know heading to Russia and all that stuff it's all kind of I guess it's just kind of off the coattails of riding the trains really
4: yeah that's yeah. what yeah that's it seems like your story kind of started there and then what's what's interesting to me is that you kept on just like taking the opportunities yeah. that, I th- that I think a lot of uh, people wouldn't take right because you took this opportunity you ended up in Virginia
1: I think that was a conscious choice I made at some point when I was young. I was like, you know, I am just going to say yes to all the experiences at this point in my life because I knew (laughs) I had, I could, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did, and uh, yeah, it took me on a bit of a journey for sure.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the coolest stories come from your time in Russia. Um mm-hmm. with the Ivanki people and, and all this stuff. And this is a no, pre, man. Uh, it's a precursor to what people will know you from. But how did mm-hmm. you get over there in the first place?
1: Uh it was actually kind of a convoluted story that I you know, I have a one brother who's adopted and he found his biological family, and he had a biological brother who was gonna go to Russia. And he kind of invited me to come over and help uh, build this orphanage with this missionary guy, and I said sure you know yeah you know, so but I actually was gonna win all in kind of I just got a the longest you could get a visa for at the time was for a year so I just got a year-long visa and headed over to Russia not really knowing what to expect at all and uh, tried to learn a few you know some Russian and then when I got there I kind of got into the deep end because I actually went to live with the Russian family as opposed to that missionary guy and spent the better part of the year with them trying to Learn the language and just living in a Russian village with some villagers (laughs) cutting (laughs) hay with size. And, you know, they don't have hay bales. They stack them in those piles still like we used to back in the day, you know. Yeah, Um, I mean, I feel
4: like there's ever, you know... In, in situations with people that just follow what where life takes them, like do you ever look around when you're in a Russian village and go like, "Whoa, I'm in a oh Russian.
1: yeah, <laughs> how did I get what am here? I doing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did I that get here? Definitely, definitely. And uh, you know, of all the villages, why this one random village out in the middle of Central <laughs> Siberia? Like, how did this happen? But, so yeah. Uh, yeah,
4: describe the describe the village and kind of the people you're with because I think the the folks you're with had, to, had an interesting past.
1: Uh, yeah. So the family I lived with, there were two families in the village that they kind of bounced between. They both liked having me there cause like, you know, free labor and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they were just fun guys, but they were both, uh, both the men of the household had been in prison together. So they had got real close in prison and, you know, the one guy was just covered in those Russian prison tattoos. And then the other guy wasn't, but they had both spent the good seven or eight years in prison and had some crazy stories and stuff from there but then they'd also you know been in prison with a a venki native guy from the far north and that was that connection but yeah just in that russian village man it was actually pretty cool i you know pretty simple and it was a lot of haying milking the cow in the morning uh Planting your potatoes, <laughs> you know, doing all <laughs> the gardening, kind of the classic stuff you might expect. Firewood, uh, and just wandering around the village. Or actually, for being like a village of say, I don't remember how many it was. A thousand might be a thousand people in it, but it's pretty active. You know, people don't sit around inside very much. Even it's it'll be negative forty before they even close the schools. So at negative thirty eight degrees, you know, all the kids walking to school and stuff, and everybody's outside it's actually pretty cool you know it's kind of interesting i liked, i liked it was I there like russian village life
4: <laughs> was there when you're living in the village was there or outdoor skills and hunting things like at that time where you're, you're not like, man, a I'm-
1: lot it was more like farming type stuff yeah it was more this little village farm stuff i'd say the hunting uh, that is one cool thing about that makes you appreciate america and our conservation and stuff is uh, you know, Siberia is huge, but around every village, there's just a massive dead zone because anything that comes near it gets shot, you know? So it's, it's nice to have the management that we have over here because it actually does just produce yeah. more animals around. And of course, that's also having an affluent society, you know, because not everybody that sees a deer is like, ah, oh, I got to eat. That thing. <laughs> I got to eat. That's the value. Yeah. The value system yeah, yeah. like, ah, I got to kill it.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd like there to be more than just one or two of them right uh, right oh yeah for so sure. eventually you you left there or like migrated i don't yeah, know how you so like,
1: eventually that that friend they had they'd always tell me oh you got to go up north to yura and you know meet them and eventually he came down to sell some furs and invited me to come live with them and and yeah long story short i went up there and he he is not actually a nomad like you know, like where my story leads, obviously, but he, he's a fur trapper, and so uh, he had this giant territory that he had somehow acquired after the Soviet Union fell that was uh, his like personal trapping lands. And so, wow, he would take me out there, and you know, and he'd show me the ropes on trapping. We'd go to these back, you know, deep, deep rivers and fish, and you know, pack as many fish as you could in your backpack, and uh, lug him out <laughs> and then like uh it was pretty cool and then and then well, yeah come winter you know he kind of showed me the ropes and then let me loose on one section of his his uh territory to open up these old trap lines that hadn't been used in decades you know so Dude, it was is... pretty You're... intense and that was that was that was a longer period there i was about five weeks alone and but you know it actually went pretty well. It was pretty cool. Uh, I really liked it. It was uh, right, what was it? November, October, November in, in Siberia. Out there, you're just out there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> how, how cold <laughs> is I didn't,
4: it? How cold is it? Oh, then? it would
1: get pretty cold. November started It's starting to hit. I don't actually remember. It's not like I had a thermostat or anything. I just it was cold. <laughs> I, it did. I know the coldest it got while I was in Siberia within that was with the nomads but that was negative 58 or so so wow so the fur Pretty trader
4: what, what was the fur trader's name again the fur trapper guy was yura yeah. his yura, his was so, yura. Uh-huh. so when you meet and he, yura and you mm-hmm. you're in Siberia like what when you first lay eyes on this guy does he look like you know this this Because the these people are kind of famous for reindeer herding and kind Mm -hmm. of the -hmm. the look that they have. Did he still have that look? Or did he look just Well,
1: he's got the he looks like more Mongolian than he does Russian, you know. So he's got Mm -hmm. that style of look. And he actually is a cobbler. So he makes reindeer fur boots and stuff. So he's always got reindeer on. He's always wearing some fur stuff. And so in that way, yeah. But on the other hand, he's also lives in a village so he's got more like he's more like uh i don't know refined or yeah something he wasn't like yeah. he wasn't
4: like texting on his blackberry or anything
1: like that exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> he was texting so
4: <laughs> did you guys you guys got along pretty well i mean obviously by then you oh, learned yeah, some we were, language you learned a little yeah, bit yeah
1: well i got by then i had learned the language pretty well that was probably a year or so into my time being there and uh yeah, I'd learned it pretty well and we were pretty comfortable. And oh, for, and I'm, yeah, I lived with them a lot. So, in between, every time I'd go even to the natives, I'd stop at yours first and spend weeks with him. And uh, we'd usually go out and do some fishing trip or do some stuff like that. We also, long, you know, we worked on projects together, trying to like, he's really aware of his people and his culture and their plight. And so, he's always, you know, he was thinking about ways to try to help revive their culture and help his friends who were stuck in like alcoholism stuff trying to like get back into their ways and and so i would partner with him on trying little projects here and there like that so we were pretty close and still are you know but
4: well he uh, must have trusted you a lot to like let you loose on this trapping ground huh
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess he thought ah. <laughs> either they get a <laughs> nobody <laughs> or else just got nothing there. to lose. Yeah, yeah nobody. <laughs> worst case scenario, nothing happens. But.
4: Did you feel like when you're when that you first encountered that was that your first time spending a, a lot of time outdoors alone, or had you? Yeah, that was
1: the, that was the probably the longest stretch, or definitely at that time, just alone. There's not that many other good reasons to be that alone that long in the woods, you know, like so. Okay. Unless you're just trying it out, but uh, but yeah, yeah, it just kind of came naturally. And but in this case, you had a mission, right? Like you were going to run. I'm now had a mission, which was nice because it kept you busy. I'd definitely every morning wake up as soon as there was any light and get on your like snow Siberian like snow skis and just start heading out, and you wouldn't get back in until after, well after dark. You know, they're long long nights, so. And you were building shelters there too? Or? Well, no, you generally, they'd have like a little hunting cabin and each, if you picture like a spider web, every hunting cabin has all these line runs off of it. And each run takes like a half a day to get out and a half a day to get back. And, and so you go to a hunting cabin and open up those five trap lines, spend a week there or whatever. And then, and then maybe another day's full day hike to your next cabin and you do the same and you kind of add yep. three cabins and like kind of a triangle and spend Man. the time doing that it I, was actually really cool <laughs> i'm
4: like googling all this stuff now i might be planning a trip because oh, yeah definitely seems, <laughs>
1: seems awesome have, to me have you seen we might i don't remember if we talked about the joe rogan but that happy people documentary no uh it might it'd be worth watching it's uh it's called happy people and it's on you know youtube and stuff but it's about fur trapping in siberia it's basically what we were doing it's yeah. super and that's it was filmed not far from us and it, really it was, yeah it was really what kind fascinating of, what
4: were you trapping mainly up there
1: sable that's all like oh this, really the whole yeah, thing like yeah. pine martins yep. know, yeah 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 and for trade what kind of traps foot traps mostly and then some like they have some of these they're called a kulomka, which is like a wooden contraption you know like a before they had foot traps they had those and now when i did it it was like all his old trap lines he hadn't run for years so it was all old broken down stuff now when they set up new ones they use the more humane yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah body ones
4: it during that time like one of the things i wanted to talk about cuz we talked about this on the show before when i go out into the woods for any length of time whether i'm right. alone or with a, a single person it doesn't really matter. It's yeah. kind of just the idea that there's no modern convenience, right? There's no, right. there's nothing to fall back on. It's you
1: and what you can do. Yeah, and if and some, I didn't know, of course, yeah. at the time about any of the Garmin stuff or anything like that, you know, like, or even you know, I didn't even have a compass or anything. I was just uh, out there. But no, yeah, go ahead. What follow your thought through? I yeah, I
4: mean, I, I think that. I've always kind of wanted to get inside people's heads that can do that. And there's two mm. two sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. One the doing of it, right? The skills and the self-reliance and you know, understanding mm-hmm. your own abilities. And then there's the going back to modernity and like right. go- and having to deal with. And I think we they cover this in alone a good bit um but. about having to go back now to society and how hard it is to to see an email come in or to, to uh. sit in traffic or the existential <laughs> threats and stuff we have in modern society did you ever it doesn't sound like you ever considered that early on like it was just you were just yeah, out there doing
1: uh, it was it's definitely something you kind of noticed. i never i've in all the times i went you know my wife's from new york city so i would go from the most remote place on earth and the day later I'd fly back and be in New York. And I, I can't say I ever really noticed culture shock that much. Oddly enough, maybe it's just the way, I don't know, the way I am or something, but I, it wasn't, you know, kind of felt normal. I don't know. It's, I guess I expected it, but I will say when I leave those four situations, there's definitely a part of me that dreads the like, Oh man, here comes, messages and this and things (laughs) to do everything there is just so directly related to your needs it's so nice you know you don't have to it's it's just how we're meant to be how we're wired to be it's like Uh, and you yeah you know it because you've experienced it i'm sure oh yeah it's just like yeah it's just uh it's just how you're meant to be and i i don't know how else to explain it but your whole mind is wired to live that way and we're kind of in an odd situation in modern life it's actually weird to experience that way of life and then not really be able to recreate it like you know here i am in my house and you know it can protect yourself from the elements and this and that <laughs> and it's comfort but it doesn't add to like your fullness of life in any way it's interesting. yeah it just it just mm-hmm.
4: seems it makes things seem silly it makes just it makes modern life seem silly in so many ways when you just understand right. like you said you kind of you're living by need. I'm hungry. Well, i got better. I better, right. I better right. learn More how to schedule. get food. Yeah, I better you learn just how have to have needs. Food. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and you yeah. can't. You're not going to overeat because it, it would make no sense. You're not going to yeah. take it. <laughs> like you're not going to. You don't. Your mind never gets the chance to veg out as we do, like like watching TV. So there's just so much that. Right, you think yeah.
1: about it. I was always fascinated on that end. We're always so distracted here, you don't get very deep in your thoughts. In the wilderness, you get incredibly deep. And uh, especially when you're alone and there's just no distractions, it's amazing what you'll think of. And your dreams are more vivid mm-hmm. and you're, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's more more connected to the human experience for some reason.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, your story's interesting because this is a good nice turn to take like when you r- really like, bought into this life and and spent more time
1: yeah so the uh you're at some point i don't remember the timeline exactly but at some point he's like well i'm gonna take you out to my you know we gotten close and he trusted me and all that so he just took me out to his cousins who are all nomadic Evenki reindeer herders and uh took me out on a snowmobile, dropped me off at the teepee and like vouched for me to the guys and <laughs> <laughs> took off. <laughs> and I was just, I was like, hey, you know, but they took me in right away. <laughs> uh, they, cause they had to you your vouch for me. It was just, they were just like immediately started making jokes, you know, like don't fart in the teepee and na, 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 you know, just being dorks. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, took me right in. It went, it went pretty smoothly. And then, it was fence building season, so we got right to work. <laughs> building
4: fences. I feel like they were just all talking about you like we got this guy. He's yeah. great at working and he'll do anything.
0: <laughs> he's he's fun
4: to be around. We'll ship him around. It. We'll just pass him around.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's gonna be great.
1: <laughs> and so we got I, some free food caches built out of the thing. Every time I went there, the first time I went there, one of the native guys, you know that right when after they dropped me off one of our first projects he was in the process of building a food cache and in an ele- elevated platform and mm-hmm. then he showed me how to do it and i did a lot of the work and he was like wow he really liked how it turned out so then every time i went back he'd always have me build a new one <laughs> i built uh, several of those things over there but yeah it's that, good you want to be helpful to the people you're with an yeah, asset, d- of course
4: yeah. can you just just describe what it is to to live with reindeer herders because i know there there's some specific things about the Evenki that aren't uh common with other reindeer herding you know tribes and other natives yeah
1: around. i mean I, yeah i mean they still it is still like they live in teepees and they're out in the forest i know like uh, the Evenki are one of the few reindeer herders that ride their reindeer in the summer like horses you know so so that's something unique to them which is pretty awesome and they wait uh, wait, wait
4: let me i gotta stop you you have to just just <laughs> describe for everyone the first time you saw an avanki reindeer herd or just riding a reindeer around
1: like I that, was that first right when they dropped me off and some of the guys had been out searching for the reindeer their major their big herd and then you know they came riding back in they got their like homemade hide ropes on them and stuff and riding on their reindeer with their big beautiful antlers and stuff you're just like dang that is cool you know (laughs) i didn't even know these people existed like that it was also it was all new to me kind of and uh uh yeah it was fascinating they then they of course put me on there and it I fell right off they have those uh their saddles sit on there and they're really loose they're not like strapped on like a horse saddle and you don't have stirrups so you're kind of just using your body to balance and uh and i definitely <laughs> <did a> few, <laughs> plenty of times over the years
4: <laughs> and so you're are you do you have reins or you have are you hanging on to the ant like?
1: you have a one it's a one rope system so it's just you have one uh it's called but it's a and then it's not in their mouth it's just a bone on their forehead so you pull it this way and pull it that way and it pushes their head yeah yeah Yeah.
4: did did you have correspondence with your family during this time were you able to like
1: not while i was out there i'll just be out there and then come back and you know (laughs) yeah. did they
4: ever say like where where's jordan at is he riding reindeer like i hope
1: so i don't know if they did or not (laughs) it'd be nice if (laughs) they Hopefully it crossed their minds at some point. <laughs> Where's he at? I think <laughs> he's in Siberia. <laughs> now I think they were pretty okay with it. I think they felt like I, you know, I was in my purpose or whatever, doing what I felt I was supposed to be doing. So
4: yeah. So what did you? What did you learn? What did you learn about yourself there? Like, and you know, this because this has to be it's a transformative time in your life for I'm sure just the age you were. Because how old were you at this yeah. point?
1: Oh, I was probably. Hmm, twenty four or something when I first hooked up with the natives up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah.
4: Guess. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I was probably wearing a suit and tie, starting my career in outdoor journalism, <laughs> thinking I was going to be some hot shot reporter. Um,
1: <laughs> it's working pretty good. That's all right, you know,
4: uh, cutting yeah. up antelope, interviewing you. Yeah. So <laughs> can't ain't complain. bad. Um, but you're twenty four. This is a time where a lot of a lot of people are doing stuff like this, but not quite. I as thought extreme. that a
1: lot consciously, where I was like, man, I should be trying to like what am I doing? I should be getting a career or like finding a wife or something. <laughs> what am I doing out here? But, uh, but I just felt really called. I feel, it felt like it was the place for me. And I, uh, and it was, and, and I learned a lot. I mean, you learn so much and it's, it's, there. it's a lot. It's the idealism of it wears off pretty quickly. And you, know, you see the alcoholisms, and you're seeing suicides all the time and all kinds of, i mean quite frankly it's pretty brutal over there in in ways and so then you like want to try to help and you try to help in this way and that way and this way and a lot of times it doesn't really pan out <laughs> and sometimes it does you kind of you know it, just, it slaps you in the face with reality a lot and it you know it's from the outside it looks really amazing and it is really amazing but there's so many issues too and uh yeah, it, it helps you you mature pretty fast, you know, watching. Stuff yeah, I happen. mean, I think you're.
4: That's interesting you say that because there's a guy named Doug Bot Clark who we had on who spent three years living with um, whale hunters in the in the Far Pacific, and mm-hmm. he described the same thing where it seemed like in the beginning he really wanted to like take a shirt off, jump in the ocean with a spear, and he was right. feeling the primal nature of it. But then after a while he started to know the people and see their struggle with modernity and the younger kids had cell phones right. and wanted to oh, go yeah. into town oh, and the yeah, elders yeah. wanted to keep the traditions. Yeah. So did you see that? It sounds like you might have seen something.
1: Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh when my wife wa- my wife went over there with me and she described it well and that it feels like uh there's just a dam with a thousand holes and you just try to plug one and there's another one, you know, as far as like there's culture surviving. And I really hope it does. And I think it can. But I also think it is on the brink like that because yeah, a lot of the a lot of the for one, the women don't want to go out in the woods and live out there as much as the men Quite frankly, they they don't have as cool of a time out there because they mostly are in the teepees and beating and cooking food, whereas the guys are always out hunting and trapping. And so, yeah. um, so there's fewer women that want to go out there. But then, because of that, a lot of the guys will stay in the village. But usually, the less you know, the less motivated guys. So they'll be the most alcoholic. But they'll be the ones getting the women, while all the the coolest dudes, you know, are out there. <laughs> In the forest, reindeer herding, and like doing awesome stuff, but they don't have any partners, and so then, yeah, the draw of the village is very strong. But when you're in the village, everybody just drinks, and that's the way it's been for a long time. So there's just this cycle, and as people there, just the, the alcoholism's off the charts, like even on a Russian standard, it's just crazy, <laughs>
4: even on the Russian standard. Yeah, I mean, that's a it's it's interesting because that it's a. When I think of it, I think, man, I, I wish I could live like that. And even when yeah. we're talking about I go out and hunting for six days and I come yeah. back home and I just think, man, the push pool. Yeah, the yeah. push pool of this sucks because yeah. I would love to just stay there. Yeah. But yeah. I, but this where I what I've built here, this real comfortable thing mm-hmm. is awesome. I really love this mm-hmm. too. Um so it sounds like they have the same push pool. It's so
1: cool. Them. I mean, yeah, it is it's really interesting to see that way of life and see that it can be, I mean, in a lot of ways it's can be better than our modern way of life, but there, there's this awkward period. I feel like where it's like somehow it's got to survive through this, this uncomfortable transition period. Like I, I wish there would have been more native American cultures that were saved to today when people would appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Like because in the late 1800s, not enough, outsiders appreciated and like stood up for it but the natives that lived those ways really liked it you know they wanted to continue those ways but they they couldn't yeah. and then it got lost and now it's kind of gone and you can't really bring it back well it feels like in the over there it's similar except it's not gone yet but you're just but you know the young guys don't really appreciate it and it's like even the word reindeer herder in Russian can kind of be like an insult you know it's like oh so so it's yeah. not like esteemed yet, but I feel like it will be. And when it is, they have a lot of opportunities even to economically grow and stuff. The The problem is it's like uh, the alcoholism and it's such a one-sided issue they have. Like the people are so nice and so cool, hardworking, all this and that. And then it's just alcoholism. That's like, seems like it's, it's so weird. It's like, it's, yeah. like, it's like, it's not like in the States where people have to, you know, you don't, you feel like, I don't know. Someone might not drink, but they don't. Have, you know, they might have other issues. It's like over there, it just seems like, well, that's the issue. You know, it, it's yeah. it's odd. Really. Do you think that
4: is it a cultural issue or is it a genetic issue, or do you feel like it's a despair? Yeah, that's a good
1: question, right? I think it's probably both. Like, I think it, it probably I imagine genetics play a role, but I also, you know, you could explain a lot of it just by the. The way their their cultural path followed like forced collectivization during the Mm -hmm. soviet union and then the the aftermath of that was just they became dependent kind of on the government which for a while worked because the soviet union put a lot of money towards them kind of invested in it but then when it collapsed Uh, you know it was just it was one generational hit during forced collectivization then a second generational hit when it all collapsed and then it's like there's just not a lot left of it all the shamans were sent to prison camps and all the like the rich you know reindeer herders anyone that had 500 reindeer (laughs) was sent to prison camps you know and it it was just the dumbest stuff and uh and then when it was privatized the same thing happened like it was the russians just came in and bought all the reindeer and butchered them all and sent them to meat shops because they had the assets to purchase them whereas the natives didn't and so they'd spent all the you know their generations building these herds and they just got bought and <laughs> anyway just sloppy yeah. rough well, stuff so that could explain a lot of the alcoholism but, but I, I think it's, sure repeated. It's, it's repeated it's
4: repeated through history so much yeah. in, in, in yeah. different ways but if yeah. you if you listen to, or read the book sapiens Right? Yeah, I was listening deal. to that I was mm-hmm. listening to that audiobook on the way back from me
0: yeah. Alan <laughs> and they talk about
4: that. yeah they talk about uh the author talks about this idea of the change from hunter-gatherer civilizations right. to agriculture you know right. 30, 30 70, yeah. years ago right we go we go from this idea that the sick and the elderly would be killed um mm-hmm. the young men in some of these native tribes around the world would their job would be to kill the slow the sick the weak the elderly mm-hmm. because th- if you couldn't move you couldn't you couldn't live um, mm-hmm. and that and that those harsh conditions but then when we started to have agriculture we started to settle we started to life started to get easier in some ways but then we cultivated disease and 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 some of the diseases of civilization yeah, was it used. in
1: sapiens too or i can't remember which book i was reading uh might have been sapiens but where uh, he talked about the point that though quite honestly until maybe really recently the hunting gatherer cultures probably had a higher like life satisfaction than the people yep. that lived in these like you know, medieval Russian.
4: Yeah, I've put it, I've, 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 I've seen it put multiple ways, but that's the way mm-hmm. that it, in Sapiens it goes, that, that, mm-hmm. that he more fantasizes and kind of says, hey, look, if the people that lived in these hunter-gatherer societies were more fulfilled, they might not have lived long lives, they might yeah, have died yeah. young, but they truly did live, just like you were saying when you people were alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're living mm-hmm. off need, you're living off, you know, mm. you, there is more Darwinism. The healthy survive, the weak do
1: not. Well, um, what's weird now is that we could almost have the best of both worlds, right? Because now we don't have to die if we have a bad hunt. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, we, yeah. can, we can have noodles stored up <laughs> in the food cache. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, like, now there's safety nets. But the problem is is we don't have almost any of that culture left to, like, revive. You know, like, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, there is there is
4: a... There's something that you can do, and people that listen to this podcast know yep, that yep. I have the the life knife analogy where I'm like, man, if you go out in the woods, it sharpens you in a way that mm-hmm. you can deal with everything else in your life so much mm-hmm. better, and if you're in like a nine-to-five cubicle job, it dolls you up in a mm-hmm. way that you just can't deal with a lot of stuff. You get existential yeah. stress and these things, but just three or four days in the, in the woods alone is enough to just give you you a bit huh yeah it's it's like and also gives you a little inkling of what it was like to think that way and act that way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that's enough i think to kind Mm -hmm. of balance things where Mm -hmm. where maybe they weren't balanced before
1: yeah that'd be cool for people to do just like just get out there like even if you don't you know you can take supplies you don't have to
2: starve for a week but
1: go out for a week and see where your mind goes and stuff like you might realize even in your you know, where your issues are that you need to deal with when you get back out, you know, because they might start popping up in your head like, oh, geez, this, this, this. Well, and it's also
4: that Mm -hmm. if if you've (laughs) ever taken things for granted, if you take the taste of a cheeseburger for granted, (laughs) <laughs> uh, try going out and not having one for a long time, and then and then coming back and and getting a chance at one. And you'll, oh, yeah. <laughs> I would hope you would appreciate. It.
1: Maybe not. Totally. Maybe you just depends totally on how well the hunt went. I guess. that's <laughs> right. That's right.
4: Well, what else? You know, what else from your time with the Yavene? Because eventually, this this you talk about it a lot in the show alone. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a a big part of why. He probably won the show, but what else did you learn? What else do you want people to know from that time? Because it's it's a unique thing that you went through.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty broad, broad. Uh, there is so much that I learned, really, and it was interesting. I don't know, life's just a path, and so I, at the time, I was, like I said earlier, I was seeking out certain experiences and this and that, and then you. And then you learn that, oh, experiences aren't all that it's all about because I'm going to forget those anyway. So <laughs> then you then you try to th- get on a deeper level like, OK, well, relationships matter and the love I express to these people. And then you and then you roll with that, you know, and so and then you sometimes even in that you get a little bit uh, disappointed or something. What's the right word? But, you know, you get let down because somebody you invest a lot in, you know, all of a sudden, oh, they just shot themselves. Well, that's sucks you know and then are you like or you know that my wife's good friend over there the lady that reached out to my wife the most they connected really well she a couple years ago just drank too much and froze to death and you're just like well man all that relationship invested you know and it just makes you think about that and then but that's what you that's what i fall back on is that that's what's important is investing in people and relationships and lives and uh move yeah. forward with that and it goes with here or in Siberia or wherever you are, you know, that's <laughs> experiences well, yeah. are great too, but really that, yeah. And there's I, no,
4: no matter how simple life is, you know, you would imagine in a Vinky reindeer herder, their life would be labeled as simple based mm-hmm. on our standards. Yeah. And no matter how simple your life is, you don't escape human problems and the human reality that we. Yeah, sh- everybody they struggles.
1: Some, they have some rough stories over there. I could go on about those, but yeah, it's uh, it is, it's hard. And they still have the, So all the human struggles. But, uh, yeah, again, it's a weird thing. It's so weird because it just seems so – their vice or whatever, their problem seems so one-dimensional. It's like, oh, it's just the alcohol. It's like, other than that, it's like (laughs) they're awesome people, hard work and this and that. But suicide rate, you know, like one out of three people die from suicide, accident, or murder over there. It's like, it's insane. It's like, yeah, I don't know.
4: Well, and then you have these small communities, all, right? Yeah. Where, where, and I, it, it just, it just, man, I'd love to really know or or try to suss out is it is it the alcoholism of despair? Because I've had some alcoholics mm-hmm. in my family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was never, it never felt like I wasn't super close to it. My uncle died mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from alcoholism, but it just felt like it was never even in it manifested itself in like socially being drunk all the time. I'm sure there was right. despair involved, but it didn't right. seem like I, you know, I'm going to drink myself to death. It just says like, I drink a lot. I drink a lot. I drink a lot. Oh man, I can't yeah.
1: stop. Yeah.
4: You know, so uh, oh, you it's wonder.
1: hard. I, you know what? I've not been able to parse it completely. Like sometimes it just blows my mind. Cause you know, somebody will have a lot going for him and it's just, they just drink it away. And then sometimes it's completely explicable. Like, Oh, this guy's, you know, yeah. third wife just died, so no wonder he's depressed. And you know, like, it's a, there's a there's a lot of there's both. It runs the gamut, you know. And sure. but maybe that sometimes it makes you wonder, like, is it you know, is there a propensity for it? And there must be some of that at play too. I just don't know, but
4: yeah, I yeah, it's got, there has uh, to be some mm-hmm. something involved. But when so eventually you left. Uh-huh. Ha- have you gone back uh, Not since I
1: uh, had a kid? So, my wife was over there when she was pregnant, and now I got a daughter who's four. And awesome. she was, you know, born in the States, and we've been here ever since. We actually wanted to go back this fall, but of course, it was coronavirus. So, that was closed. But we stay in t- contact with them and stuff. I'm, I'm still in touch talking. I talked to Yura a couple days ago. Oh, and, that's uh, great. Yeah. yeah, so we you, plan to go back. But
4: Yeah, I was going to say, you intend to have them it's be so a part much of your more life.
1: expensive now. I
4: got all these extra kids. Dude, <laughs> I'm with you. I got a four year old too and a, and a nine month old. I got
1: it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tickets just doubled all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, those plane flights are a little more expensive yeah, yeah. than they were before.
4: And the food.
1: Definitely. And the yeah, screaming. Amazing yeah yeah it's all tougher now yeah no but i, I do i want to i'm gonna make a you know we're making a point of staying connected over there and this yeah and that. so well, that's good that's good. well
4: when you get back the first time what did you do next i mean obviously uh you had a uh, lot of a lot of experience but you did like you said you hadn't really started a life in america
1: Yeah, well, fortunately, on one of my trips back, you know, because I'd come back to the States, earn money working, and then head back to Russia and kind of spend it. And that's kind of what I did for 10 years, spent like five years in total in Russia. And then, uh, but during some of those times back, I had met who, you know, my wife and, and we got married on one of my trips back. And then she went over with me for a winter with the natives and then a summer. And then, uh and then we had the baby came back and and yeah just kind of doing the usual you know the usual thing i was renovating some houses and and i was actually building a driveway when uh a loan called because i'd watched alone you know and i'd you know you think to yourself oh, i can do that <laughs> <laughs>
0: dude that's all i think that's
4: all that i think think. i'm like that's a nice little house you built there but i i would have probably had an annex that had a a bathtub i've built out of uh, well i'd
1: recommend you for the show i'd say they should throw you on there yeah uh, please please my wife
4: don't tell my wife when my wife watches it with me she's like you want to be on there don't you i
0: was like yeah i do
2: (laughs) Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for. From family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want. And mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting auraframes.com. That's A U R A frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code Meat Eater because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best selling frame with that code. The code being Meat Eater. Auraframes.com, promo code Meat Eater. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. You just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater.
0: What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local.
1: Anyway, I was sending my little application and a link to my YouTube videos, you know, living with the natives and stuff because I had filmed a lot of it on my crappy little camera. But the uh, And I think they watched it, but I forgot that I had applied and and they didn't contact me for like three years. And I was just working on that wow. driveway and they called me out of the blue and wanted me to come on. I was like, oh. That you followed the show? Uh- uh, you know, I had watched the first, Two seasons at once, like my buddy told me about them and we binge watched them. And that's Mm -hmm. when I sent him in the application. And then I I kind of forgot about it through seasons three and four. And then I remembered it and then uh, watched them all again. You know, like I was caught up by the time I went out there. I'd watched them all. It was a cool show. I don't really watch a lot of TV, but it was the only show that I would be like, oh, I forgot about that show. I got to watch that. So
4: my my dad called me and said, have you seen this show alone? I said, Mm -hmm. no, it's not my thing, man. Because when I watch that, I'm just like, this is so (laughs) full of shit. And this is this reality TV. Totally, totally. There's usually crazy people on there. And, and, I so yeah. I, I I resisted it for so long. It was on Netflix, and it would always suggest it to me. You know, it's like in the algorithm. Uh-huh, like, you, uh-huh. Hey, you want to watch this? You should watch this. <laughs> watch this. I was like, No, I'm not <laughs> watching that. <laughs> but finally, just like you watched seasons one and two, I started binging it in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. Yeah. And then two weeks later, I'm like, "Damn, I'm watching this every night for two hours." <laughs> it's a hours. pretty good show. It's a great show, man. <laughs> um, I take back everything I thought about <laughs> about the show because they do. I mean, they do the, the normal reality show things. They do. Yeah,
1: they I, do the editing into this, and into that, and the yeah. drama. It's all there, but it's all there. But you
4: guys, so give people a. But quick, the stories, what's happening, is real. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give them, like, what is the show? If you would describe it.
1: Oh, it's exactly. just the, it's a show where they get. 10 people and drop them off separately with no cameraman. You're just by yourself and you have 10 basic items, like not a gun, but like a bow and arrow and a. Yeah, I'd be like, I'll take. For sparking fires and stuff. I'll take 10 guns. Yeah. <laughs> a gun and 10 rounds. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll say. <laughs> Nothing else. I'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> just, now the, f- uh, so you're really out there with not much and you basically film yourself and. Uh, they come and give you new batteries and check your footage and make sure you're not medically unable to continue every once in a while. And other than that, you're just out there, and it's whoever lasts the longest wins, basically. So,
4: And what do they – they obviously call you and say, we want we want you to be on the show. And mm-hmm. What's the conversation they make? We're going to come get you, and we're going to take you and drop you. We're not going to tell you where or like, – Well, I knew the premise of
1: the show, so, yeah, I kind of knew that's what was in the cards, but – uh they didn't tell you where you were going to be until a couple weeks before, you know, the fly-out date. So you don't have a ton of time to think about it and prepare. But, uh, but yeah, and then they take you out there. You got a week or so learning how to film yourself and do camera work, and then they fly out on a helicopter and drop you off with your stuff and leave, and you're just like, wow, this is weird. This I don't <laughs> yeah this is the show (laughs) it's like you're just out in the middle of nowhere you've never scouted this place you have no idea like you wouldn't have chosen to that was what i stuck out to me is like i I just wouldn't have chosen this spot like why am i here that's what i was (laughs) mad i was mad watching this i'm like
4: don't they have onyx maps like why can't they (laughs) choose a spot that's like has a nice little uh you know a nice little deep
1: shoreline or something would be nice yeah fishing hole would have been sweet initially
4: a a nice little bog for the moose to hang out something yeah yeah you Um, got all the
1: things you think about that you know it's never like you picture it so but then you get there yeah go ahead
4: well no, they so what did you pick? What were your ten things and like and why were did you I pick should be able to things?
1: rattle these off real easy. an axe for sure, because like Venki, as they would say, that's the one tool you need to live in the woods. Like if you have an axe you might be able to make it <laughs> without anything else. <laughs> Definitely need an axe. Uh that's one oh one. And then a saw I took, which was kind of I was really on the fence. Like I never really used a saw in the woods that much, like a hand like a handsaw, but I figured might save me some calories so i took that which was probably my only mistake like if i was gonna change it that's what i would switch up yep. um and then took a a pot and i took a, or like a, a, a frying pan and a uh leatherman and a ferro rod and a sleeping bag and bow and arrows trapping wire fishing line and something else that i'm missing in there and then, then this next season they do after mine season seven they have a hundred day cap so that was the first season oh, okay. where they put a limit on it which was weird but yeah, yeah. It
4: was like, that seems weird but so you I, so you
1: kind of yeah. know that
4: you know somewhere around sixty to eighty days that's what you're
1: prepping for like the, in, in not your really mind. I actually really had I told myself there was zero chance that it would end before 90 days. I didn't even, it didn't even wow. cross my mind. And honestly out there, it didn't even, like I had no clue that it was about to end. I thought, I thought, and I was actually prepared to stay another couple few months. Like I didn't have, I had plenty of food and I, my weight was still what it is right now. I, uh, but I, yeah, I was shocked. I, I I'd done such a good job convincing myself that uh, there was no chance that it would end any before nine day 90 that I didn't even.
4: Well, because I'm sure that I'm sure this idea, yeah, the idea of hope, like the idea of saying I could tomorrow might be the day. Tomorrow might Sometimes be. Sometimes
1: I would day. joke with myself when they like go to hear a medical flight coming in. I'd be like, oh, maybe this is it, but it's like, but you, I would just kind of be kidding myself, and I knew it. Uh, but like on the medical check where they did come and tell me it was over, I hadn't even had that thought. I just didn't even cross my mind that it might be over. I was shocked. Yeah, and then you're, you know, to it. skip
4: to the end, your wife just pops out of the trees. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 they got me good. I definitely thought they had they, not let on that it was close at all. I, I didn't <laughs> think it was.
4: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, what about, like? is there anything about the show when you watched it back assuming that you watched it back, mm-hmm, that that mm-hmm. you thought was contrived or can just completely, like, not no, how you thought don't, it would they go. don't
1: contrive it, but they definitely made it look like I – they covered up how much food I had, you know, if anything, to, like, make it more – they definitely made it look like I struggled in a way more than I did, which is fine. But uh, it was annoying for me to watch because I wanted to see the big fish I caught and the different things like that that I didn't get to see because they had to make it more suspenseful. Uh. So if I had a if I had a complaint, that was it. But yeah, but they nothing's are- contrived. Like it's it's all it's all there and it's all footage that I sent in. Like it's all there's definitely. I was out there, you know, seventy seven days. There's days where I was like, man, this sucks. Like, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't, you know, eat enough moose to stay fat or what, you know, like in, and in my mind, I was thinking the show was going to go 140 days. So then when I would count my moose, I'd be like, man, I don't have enough fat to make it a hundred more days. And then I'd be like, man, I don't have enough moose fat. And then, you know, that might get in there that me complaining about not having enough food when I'm thinking that it, you know, in context, it's relative to, yeah and we like we make some time
4: we make some tv around here you and, gotta do it yeah, yeah and it's kind of like you you know what you want to happen and if sometimes yeah. you manipulate little things to kind of build suspense where it might it might have been flat so i could see him doing yeah. that when i was watching the show but yeah there's there's points in the show that are real right you shot a moose i mean arm. the whole
1: thing's real it's all real footage and they don't like tell you to do anything like it's not like they go out there and they're like hey we want you to do this or whatever you know i don't know they don't so if they use all your real footage that you send in but yeah the moose hunt that was all genuine stuff that was and that was intense as can be that was like the most up yeah. and day down in my life you know because you know how it is hunting It's always you can golly if just you shoot it and you're so excited i just like oh man it all worked because i had made this whole contraption to funnel moose into a certain area and it Worked, and I got the shot on the moose. I was super excited, but then, of course, as it happens, you lose your blood trail, and you lose your—you know—you can't find any more tracks, and then you're just like, "No way! Am I? I can't lose this." The 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 consequences are so much greater in that situation that it's just super intense. And then it's like, "Well, there's no blood. I saw bubbly blood. He's hitting the lungs. I'm just gonna walk downhill because." He probably went downhill and then so you stay along the shore and then sure enough, oh I stumbled across him, like there he is up there, and you get all excited and then and then you're like hiding behind a bush, but then you see him stand up and you're just like, No, like no way (laughs) he's gonna run off right now. (laughs) But then he doesn't, he lays back down, and you're all relieved. It's just such it was such an emotional roller coaster, unlike any I've ever been on, because you're just you're so reliant on that thing. Yeah. Well I'll tell you, uh, people
4: that listen to this show know that I'm always Yeah. I'm always saying, like, man, if I could, <clears throat> the one thing that I
1: wanted to do was
4: feel what it felt like to hunt because I had to have the food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Like, that's an experience I won't forget because it's just, that was the most intense hunt ever because I just, you're so reliable on it. And when you get it, when I finally walked up to it and you know, I touched my arrow to its eyeball and it was just dead as dead can be, <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's, you're just like, oh my gosh. It's, pure excitement there's you just i couldn't there's no way i could redo that yeah. situation no matter what yeah
4: that's yeah it's so damn primal and yeah. yeah i wish i almost the reason why i'd want a if they would ever have me on the show and if you're listening to right. us alone casting agents <laughs> i'm down to do it just reach out to my people Phil the engineer reach out to Phil the engineer um i i yeah when i look at that i'm like man that's that's the one reason I would do it because I, I want to fish. It's and opportunity
1: hunt. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Fish, fish, and hunt. And fishing because, was the same, man. It was just yeah. so fun, the funnest fishing I've ever had. And plus, it was the biggest fish I'd ever caught. You know, all the fish were the biggest fish I ever caught. You guys were catching was, lake trout, right? Yeah, lake trout. But you know, there's like a the one was like 23 pounds, and it's just on your on your little homemade stick and reel that you've rigged together, and it's barbless hooks, and it's so. Intense the whole time, and uh you finally landed. It's the same thing. It's like pure joy that you cannot replicate anywhere else. It's yeah, pretty neat. Well, that
4: throughout the show, all the other contestants, you included, that was the mm-hmm. one thing. I'm I, when, I, when I was watching, I'm thinking, man, if I'm an anti hunter or or a, a non hunter or somebody that doesn't know what it's like to kill an animal, mm-hmm. and I see these people going through this, at least then maybe I can I can watch a hunter in modern the modern sense do the yeah. same kind of dance when they shoot something and gets. Have some kind of understanding of what they might yeah, be the, feeling. Yeah, why they're yeah.
1: so excited.
4: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. every yeah, time you sure. came back with four rabbits, it, I felt like they were, like your storyline wasn't quite true to to actually as it <laughs> happened, as you mentioned there, because Perceptive. you would co- yeah, you would come back with four <laughs> rabbits and they would cover that like very briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somebody else would get like spend six days looking
1: for a rabbit, All and right. that would get you know that would yeah, get covered very, quite a bit. You're very observant. No, I, uh, for me watching it, it was a little frustrating, but it was I understood it. But I yeah, like, oh. because then they had to the, because of that they couldn't show a lot of the cool stuff because they had to like make yeah. it more you could they
4: couldn't show you like reading a book you know that's why
1: i didn't get to see any of my fishing you know i just made it it looked like i just lost all my hooks and didn't catch any fish and it was over and i was like
0: what no way
1: (laughs) so how many fish did you catch along the way uh 13 but they're just such big fish you know i was like golly and they're all exciting and i don't know i did catch one arctic uh already grayling Grayling? grayling that wasn't that big all the rest were big fish. did you uh
4: did you feel like that you ever had a moment where you were worried you you were gonna call and and ask to be taken out of there or be medically no it never
1: got close at all i thought i i uh i can't get into if I, i like there's some production details they don't want us to get into like as far as if i thought i was too skinny at some points but i never was too skinny at some points but but uh that was the only thing i was worried about because i just figured if i ever leave here it's because i'm going to be too skinny and so uh yeah no i it would never never was an issue like I, i really thought okay we're gonna get to day 90 and then we're gonna get started it's gonna be like i figured a few of us would make it to day 90 and then but nobody's going to quit then. I figured then, from then on, it would be the push. Like, that's where we're going to stretch it way out and see how far we can go. So I was doing everything I could to accumulate everything I could until day 90 and then see if I could push through January or into February. And then yeah. then I figured at, I'd win. But um, right, So before that, I hadn't had that thought, honestly. I got the moose at day 20. And once I had a, day, a moose, it's like, you, you're not going to quit. that's a t-shirt if i got a
4: moose i
0: ain't good
1: out of here son totally (laughs) did
4: you did you ever have like a mental um like drill that you would do or did you ever like uh, check in on your mental status and try to keep yourself healthy you know out there by yourself it's
1: always a yeah i mean i you have to stay active like you really have to stay active and you get a lot of like Trials that come and you have to approach them proactively. It would be easy to be like, Oh, this sucks, you know, I can't do this or that. But, uh, yeah, staying mentally active is a big thing. And I did that in a, you know, I had a lot of different outlets for doing that. Uh, one, uh, the bet, ideally, you're doing something productive that's <laughs> mentally engaging, you know, so that's what I would try. But you honestly, as much as when you're watching the show, you're always like, why are those idiots sitting around? You know, like get out. <laughs> it's like, you can't actually be a productive a hundred percent of the time, even though I tried, uh, you know, there's, there's just times where you just don't really have anything to do. And so, uh, in those times I would like film stupid skits and just try to, you know, encourage myself by coming mm. up with dumb things to do like that. And, uh, and, you know, you you kind of journal to your camera, so you might talk to your daughter or your wife or your son. You know, like try to I'd try to think about deep or politically charged issues and see if I could think of like unifying solutions and things. You know, like all that kind of stuff. And uh,
4: you're like, yeah, you're like Gandhi alone, yeah, I, I, <laughs> Gandhi alone, trying to figure so, out the world's man.
1: Exactly, do all that. While you're Did out
4: you there. ever have you know? Because when I I've done you know a couple of weeks away. Again, nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm not no comparison to what you've done, but I, I've always found once I had a little baby, once I had my son, it was so much harder. (laughs) I could not,
1: you know. I was, uh, I was, I was undecided on whether it was harder or not with kids, because for one, it's so. I mean, because it's harder when you don't have any prize out there, you know. But like, so when you're out there, you're like, man, I'm out here a week. I haven't seen the kids. Like, kind of miss them. But when there's a big monetary prize, it's like, man, that's so much time with the kids. Like, I, I work dumb construction jobs. <laughs> I, know, you know, I know what uh, how much time, how much work do I have to do to, uh, you know, make up for that kind of money. It's like, that's a lot of time with the family. So it was all, it put it in pretty good perspective. But, you know, the, and the other thing. Uh, is just having gone to Russia for long periods of time. I have the perspective that like a year will pass and I'll come back and my loved ones will still be my loved ones. And, you know, like the relationships are strong. It's not like I have insecurities there. But, yeah, you miss the kids. You, you know, you definitely, that's what you think about all the time. but uh, yeah. yep. But yeah. you kind of just keep it in perspective and it's like, you know what? Three months isn't that long. If this show goes three months, so it's like fine. I'll get home and I'll be like, "Hey, how was it?" And they'll be like, "Oh, it's fine. Yeah, how here's was a, it? Here's, it was
4: a <laughs> here's a briefcase with half a million
1: dollars." Yeah. <laughs> now we're all caught up. Okay. <laughs> it turned out it wasn't that simple because it was actually a lot harder on my wife than me. So, because yep. she had to deal with the kids and they were young. You know, I had like a two and a three or something year old, Real young kids, and they were. Uh, sick the whole time and this and that. You know, she lost more weight than I did. Honestly, she was Damn. she was, had a hard time. But yeah, I feel
4: that too. I know how that is. Yeah. I one of my favorite things in the world is a Garmin InReach.
1: Right, uh, those are awesome. Yeah, I just got to use one this summer for the first time.
4: Yeah. So you just like, man, if I could text my wife and just say how are you, and she can say not doing great, like then you can recalibrate. When you unlike <laughs> yeah. you, like yeah, you have yeah. the choice to go back, and you don't have anything really riding on other than right, right. or something. Yeah, you, you can kind of
1: make that decision a little more so and i yeah go ahead
4: mm-hmm. oh i i want to i don't want to leave the best thing for last but you killed a wolverine <laughs> with your axe man um, yeah that
1: was talking about when i think about primal that was the most primal experience because i wasn't really like a, i had been built up for so long the thing kept coming and harassing me and i would always and i'd spent a lot of nights like awake with my bow and arrow in my shelter and a pile of meat out front just like hoping that they would come and uh trying all these different things to get him. i like i knew it was going to go down at some point but then when it when it finally did it's like it's not like the moose where it was just like oh man this is up and down and up and down it was just like it just happened so fast and it all i went over there and i I still have it's like you know the imprint i can still picture memory where it was like snarling at me and jumping at me but he was stuck with his arrow so
4: Yeah, so you stuck him to the ground with an arrow?
1: Well, the night before, he had been behind a bush, and I was like, I don't want to shoot him because he's behind the bush. So I was waiting for him to come out from behind the bush, but it was nighttime, and so I was just watching his eyes. And then he, like, turned his head, and his eyes went away, and then I was like, where is he? Where is he? And he had just vanished, and I was like, what? like, oh, no, I should have just shot. Like, what an idiot. And then, uh, so the next night the same scenario kind of played out where he ran through my warning system. I heard the cans rumble. So I like ran outside, kind of set the ca- the camera up where I thought he, you know, where his trail was. And then, uh, uh, sure enough, he came scurrying down it and, but then he kind of paused behind these bushes. And that was just, I was like, well, tonight I'm going to shoot him behind the bushes. <laughs> I just sent an arrow in and I don't know, it d- deflected through there and stuck him through the hind leg. And, You know the arrow stuck into the ground, but also was still in the shrubs on the top because on the alders, and so it just hung him up enough to where I grabbed that axe and ran over there, and you know it all happened really fast. I grabbed the axe, ran over there, swung. My first swing like disemboweled him, and then he like spun around, and you know he was spinning around mad, and then I swung again, and the next one like hit him, and then and then I just swung a bunch. But then it like it, it, it ended and you're just like wow I didn't think about any, you know, I hadn't thought about any of that. He's like, wow, that was crazy. I just can't believe I killed a Wolverine with an axe. <laughs> and then you're just like, whoa, that was wild. Oh, yeah, uh, if you're making uh, a
4: show like Alone and that happens and you get your reaction like they did, they're, I, they were it, I'm pretty sure. excited, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure the producers were like, we got it. <laughs>
1: yeah. This is it. This one's gone on Netflix. No, Jonas <laughs> killed a Wolverine with his hatchet like a madman but yeah yeah, you were you were there's a slight bit of me that kind of regrets not grabbing the camera and bringing it with me but well i don't know that they would have shown it so maybe it's better that i left it like it was but probably i think it was
4: perfect for what it was because yeah you knew what happened you could hear it you saw your reaction you're all wide-eyed when you came back from that um i think it was it was well done in that regard but it shows it just goes to show people how When I'm watching this, I'm kind of watching it through the lens of somebody who thinks a lot about these, all the issues with wildlife and making shows. Right, same thing. And I'm thinking of like how to, how are they trying to tell the stories based on how they happen? But then, what what can people learn from this? Mm -hmm. You know, what can they see? Well, they can see that you know, in a, in a scenario where you're just trying to survive, there's no room for compassion for the Wolverine because.
1: Yeah. You you just couldn't coexist in that situation. There just wasn't, it wasn't an option. It was like he or me. And we both knew it. (laughs) (laughs) He knew it. You knew it. (laughs) I tried many times to get him to stay away and he's, he was trying to make it through the winter. So yeah, man. He was it. trying to get and, some. He got a yeah, taste for moose. He was, yeah, I can't blame him for that. But uh, he got a lot of good food before he went. <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> and so, he, uh,
1: but yeah, it was uh, definitely thought about that. It's like in those situations, it is like, of course you love nature and this and that. But yeah, it's in some. In some situations, you you kind of feel pitted against it, and that was definitely one of those situations. Yeah, yeah. that's
4: that's a good point. Is there yeah. is there anything mm-hmm. for for people that watch the show or didn't, um, in terms of foraging or skills? Because you you did a lot of stuff. Obviously, you built a shelter. Mm-hmm. I, you built right, some. Right. Uh, you built some skis for for right. ice ice skis, right, I'd right. imagine, and a yep. bunch of other things. Are there any other things that that you did out there that? Um, you either did for the first time or you know now that just essential knowledge for somebody likes to go outside
1: oh man um (laughs) there's a lot of things of course they didn't show a lot of things i gotta think about what i thought uh but yeah of course there was a ton of foraging you're always foraging i was always drinking like you know there's all the little d so many details like i would always drink hot water instead of cold water because you're just saving calories by Mm preheating it and then you're always drinking teas so you're getting vitamins when you're drinking your water things like stacking your hot rocks around your water before you go to bed so that doesn't freeze solid and sleeping with a hot rock in your sleeping bag and you know it's just there's so many little details but the cool thing about it is when you put yourself in those situations Mm -hmm your ingenuity starts to come alive because like when you're in a modern world everything's kind of figured out for you and you don't have to think that much as much you know like whereas out there it's like you're getting these really specific problems and you have to come up with a solution or you're gonna fail you know so it's like it's very very uh direct once again and so that you can kind of hopefully you can rely on your ingenuity to to arrive for you out there when you need it. And, uh, cause that's one thing I I felt was really cool. I felt very creative out there. Whereas I'm not, I don't feel creative usually because I'm not like an artist or anything, but when you're out in those situations, it's like, oh, this is where creativity came from. You know, like you're just trying to figure out solutions to these problems. And, and hopefully when you guys go out there for your little week alone and you come across little problems, (laughs) you'll find like, hey that's cool i just thought of a solution like you know or like and uh yeah so that's the broadest way to say and rather than just giving you a million little examples of this and that i think
4: that's a good thing man and because Mm. because as i you know like i said i I was i knew we were going to chat and i was listening to sapiens and i was thinking man you know this is just the way my brain works but you know all the things that you were learning out there all the things that you were doing were very human they were mm-hmm. that you were kind of recreating how we came to be where we are in, in right. and in a lot of crazy ways right and, and to, to, to know that you've kind of seen not only have you seen I, I felt like a lot of the other contestants had maybe played at this a little bit or trained for it or had like woodcraft mm-hmm. skills but had never done what you'd done in terms of living with the right. and, and having right. that perspective Unique so you've seen experience. yeah mm-hmm. you've seen different sides of it um but yeah i mean did you ever think about was it because the one thing that i did the question was in my mind is did you think about the money as much as they portrayed in the show not you personally but it just it kind of Uh, kept coming back to that well
1: i did that was my motivating factor for going out there because it's like i can do all this stuff for free and i have a lot so it's like uh (laughs) so if i'm really honest i'm going out there because it's an opportunity to win a lot When I was out there, I found there were, it almost went in reverse where I kind of went out there. Well, because it is a chance at a $500,000, of course I'm going to try it because it's right up my alley. But then when I was out there, I realized there were actually, and before, I remember telling History Channel guys before I went that I wanted to leave something for my kids to see and, you know, descendants to see that I wish I had of my grandparents. You know, like I wish I had footage of my grandparents doing their thing in life you know so i could know them more than just pictures and stories and Mm -hmm. uh in the same way i wanted to have that and when i was out there i was realizing oh this is cool because i can share this not only with my descendants but even my immediate family because a lot of times you know like you're, you're in town right now and i'm in town right now we're just living in our little houses People don't know that aspect of us. Not all, you know. A lot of my friends and family don't, and so it was cool to be able to be like, "Oh, I can share this with my loved ones." Actually, you know, like there's an aspect of me not everybody gets to see, and so yeah, I was really motivated by that. Also,
4: that's. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. and then then you have like, well, Uncle Jordan's cool as shit.
1: <laughs> I he made us. He made skis out of some trees in the woods. It's inspired uh, a lot of fun backyard activity around here. That's good <laughs> amongst the kids. Uh, what, a lot of Wolverine hunts down in the playroom. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love it, man. What did your kids like? I, you know, it sounds like your kids are old enough to kind of uh, say a few things about it. What do they? Yeah, what yeah. do they say? Uh,
1: what do they say? They reenact it a lot. They just play. You know, they play those games like hunt the moose and they hunt the wolverine and yeah they're worried about wolverines at night which is odd in virginia but <laughs> <laughs> you try to explain that to them yeah yeah, yeah. don't worry they're not they're around. only in comic books <laughs> those not in real life. yeah those are real animals <laughs> then uh yeah. no it's become a part of the uh fam- and of course it's bled into so many other things now that now you know we're doing survival courses and writing a book and blah 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 so it's kind of affected more of their stuff you know you know it's affected yeah. our lives trajectory obviously
4: yeah for sure Have did, did when you got back i mean obviously like i said i, I listened to you on rogan and uh mm-hmm. and, and other places um and so obviously there was plenty of attention when you got back it's like mm-hmm. how did that go for you
1: all right. It's like, I'd actually quit all my social media, you know, a good while before I went on the show. And I actually was really happy. I was like, man, I'm glad I don't do that because it's just waste my time. And, uh, now though it's a part of, you know, I've had to dive back into that stuff. And I really like connecting people that are genuinely interested, you know, and this is how we connect and this, all that it's, it's so necessary, but at the same time I can sense it's it's, you know, ability to suck away our time and what we're really, yeah it gets you in that half distracted mode, which is super annoying. And so it's like trying to navigate that has been the most annoying part of it all. Because it, before I could just be like, ah, oh, forget it. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'll buy an old Nokia or something. But now <laughs> it's like, now I can't really. <laughs> so now I have to actually figure out how to navigate that more
4: Man, do I, properly. man, can I relate to that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do want people. We do this podcast, and the podcast is the right. thing I enjoy the most because it's just talking right. to cool people and telling shit stories and just yeah. whatever makes me laugh or makes totally. me totally enjoyable, me, right? It's enjoyable, mm-hmm. but the social media stuff, there is some poison in there, yeah, and, and I don't think. I don't think my my personal feeling is it's not what most people would say. For me it's uh, it's what you said. It's just addicting. It's this like yeah, it's swipe, a, swipe, it's swipe, exactly. swipe swipe That's swipe swipe. Yeah, exactly. That's what it swipe. is. Um it it's it,
1: something to be there every time you're mildly bored. It's like, yes. It's like, "Ah, oh, dang it." Like so,
4: Yeah, like, I get depressed sometimes. When I was I was when I last I traveled, I was on a rental car shuttle. I'm sitting on this yeah. rental car shuttle and I I'd been on my phone the whole flight and I looked up and I was kind of like in a daze even when I wasn't looking at my phone. Yeah. And it's kind of like I had been in this virtual world and I had to readjust to like walking around the airport. And I get this rental car shuttle and I decided to turn my phone off and just like for the drive home, I wasn't going to look at, I just wasn't going to look at my phone and I was yeah. gonna go see my family. <laughs> and I was I was in this rental car shuttle and I was looking around. There's fifteen people in there. It's COVID. They're all wearing their masks. Every single one of them was <laughs> deep into the phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> I could have probably taken all of their wallets out of their pockets. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one would have known. Oh, and I mean that feels so impersonal, that world. Oh, Masked and phoned. Here's a uh, you
4: just, it's like, man, you can't, you can't imagine. You couldn't have explained this to some, the Avanke. You couldn't take yeah. them and drop them here and say like, this is what these people are doing. They'd be like, well, that's, it's, that's ultimately. Dude, it's this.
1: better. It's way better.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. like, no, it's not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. I feel really hacked at times. Like they just, yeah. they hacked my brain. It's annoying. It's enough yeah. to try to overcome it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So you get, and you get those moments where you feel like you're reaching for your phone when it's not there. Yeah. Or, you know, the syndrome. <laughs> The we all missing limb syndrome. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind that people will always complain about the comments and the negativity. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, I, I don't mind that. that. Yeah. That's the discourse of the world that I live yeah. in. But it's can it's can more just the that. idea, that the addiction of the thing. It's like That's what it, it. is. That yeah it sucks so much. And I tell yeah. you. When I go in the woods and come back, the most stress I feel is when yeah. I pick up my phone and I t- it yeah. gets service again and I, I start
1: hearing the ding, 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 ding.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly me. Like we'll be riding back, you know, coming out of the woods and you're just like, oh, man. It's that little dread you get because your phone's yeah. coming. But you can't not do it.
4: There has to be some irony for you, right? Because you got famous by going out in the woods and being alone. And then when you come back. <laughs> now I'm you... like,
1: spent all, literally spent all day today uh, doing a website. <laughs> I was like, ah, how do I figure this out? And then uh, my brother was laughing at me because I was I, like, had my sister watch the kids. And, uh, and he was like, oh, cool. You're going hunting? I was like, oh, no, I'm doing a podcast. He was like, oh, <laughs> times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: this is. I used to be out doing what I like. Now I'm. I have to be on I'm social media. It's a
1: lot, yeah. but it's just a part of the. All comes yeah. with the territory. But it's that's up right. to us to figure out how to navigate it well. And then we're all work in progress. So hopefully oh, that's we right, improve. Man. Yeah. Well, and
4: like I said, a lot of people would love to be in that situation to teach other people like you can, or to to be mm-hmm. known. Because now you'll be known for a while. It'll fade. I'm sure. It's yeah. Like the guy from Alone. <laughs> the guy who went alone. Um. Is that is that ever felt weird to you, or is this that's you knew that going in that there, if you won you're Some a guy on TV, of fame yeah, or whatever, Some.
1: yeah, that wasn't, yeah, that doesn't feel really weird. I guess it probably just goes with my personality that didn't get culture shock. You know, it just feels kind of it's, it's whatever. It's just like yeah, yeah, kind of roll with it. But the uh, I it's fun. Like I, I always thought it was hilarious when I. I get recognized not that much here in Lynchburg. I went up to Idaho, and every time I went to like Black Sheep, like the outdoor store, it's like you could just count it on the clockwork. Somebody be like, oh yeah, yeah, it's like oh I guess that's the demographic. You,
0: know? you should <laughs> that just troll. That show. You should troll everybody <laughs>
4: every time you go into like an outdoor store. Just wear like a Wolverine hat. And yeah,
1: like, yeah, totally. Try to man. stand. <laughs> Are you okay, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Yeah, Is that the Wolverine? Yeah. If I ever need an ego boost, I just swing on over to the outdoor store. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. You start looking around, man. You're like, oh, no. What's going to happen?
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> um, That's why I like podcasts. I could be in my kitchen. You can be in your sister's house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could nice. just be hanging out. Um, that's a good... That's not
1: too. Like I said, it's not too much fame. It's just enough that sometimes it's fun chatting with people. But it, I remember when I was with Joe Rogan, I was just like, man, that sucks to be that famous. Like, uh, that poor guy has to, like... Golly, he can't go anywhere.
4: Yeah. I've been with that dude, yeah. I've been with that dude a few times where... He, he I picked him up one time at the Austin airport to go hunting. he was flying uh-huh. down to Austin before, oh yeah. before he lived there and when yeah <laughs> he, when I, when I lived there and he didn't um, uh-huh. I picked him up at the airport and he was putting his stuff in the back of my truck and mm. people were just running up to my truck going like and just yelling things at him
1: yeah yeah that's and weird. I thought why
4: to say like hey love your show or love the UFC yeah, yeah. or love your comedy would be cool to do but just running up to him and, and yelling some slogan, and then <laughs> yeah. running away that seems
1: <laughs> but i got to imagine it's got to be 24 7 when he's outside oh. basically like unending
4: yeah it's unending um, it's yeah that's, that's tough life man that's yeah it's got to be tough i don't i don't envy that man yeah uh, for
1: me it's still enjoyable you know it's fine Yeah, it's good
4: yeah. so what's in that what's the future like working people i know like you said you're writing a book and some other these things. Say,
1: yeah i trying to be i want to do some of the more of those survival courses and then i got the I was thinking about trying to do some online stuff because that's just where people are at these days. And so it could be fun. cool. And uh, actually, it sounds fun because I, I feel like it'd be fun to like do the coolest, like the most practical and cool online stuff I could put out, like real stuff. What do you actually need to know? Yep. And admit, do it well. And that'd be fun knowledge to relay. So yeah. I'm just now thinking about how to do that and what I would want to.
4: Oh, that's cool Put man we just we just finished our company just finished a book on just practical survival and, uh-huh, and uh-huh. you know stuff for hunters and outdoorsmen so there's a lot uh-huh. in there there is Then um, there's so many different levels so
1: maybe you, maybe <laughs> you
4: find yourself on the meateater.com right and they're doing some videos or something. yeah
1: no doubt yeah that'd be, well, that'd that'd be cool as hell yeah do it. well let's do uh, it man. <laughs> yeah. well I appreciate so, yeah, I appreciate the time follow me at that hobo jordo is on my instagram yeah go there I'll keep fo- people linked up to whatever I'm doing that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well,
4: I appreciate the time and, and the show and letting me binge watch in my underwear. <laughs> uh midnight watching you good shoot time. a moose so yeah, yeah. good times yeah, for I you i'd like, like to
1: know what things you were like man look at that moron he's doing that <laughs> uh,
4: there's a couple other people on the show <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's always thought, a couple yeah, i thought yeah. they have to have a couple of crazy people <laughs> who were never going to make it anyway <laughs> i won't i won't uh, right. make fun of them and, uh, in the public forum here but there's you know, a few people it. on there that you're just like, you just knew that they're they're playing the role they were meant to play. They were never gonna make it, but they're crazy, and yeah. they ha- you know they have they tried.
1: That's more than most people would be willing to do. Good for yeah. everybody. Yeah. And then
4: you and then you get to the thing where you're when you're just saying, well, that guy only made it a couple of days. My wife said that. Well, that guy only made it a couple of days, and I said, mm. well, how many days would you make it? Like, well, let's not judge these people. They're <laughs> yeah, yeah. doing their best. Try it. You, you know, guy fell down and broke his leg. I think he probably yeah, needs to get out it of there. easy,
1: gosh. yeah. <laughs> 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 He's trying oh, not man. to judge. Yeah, it's fun, dude. Well, it's been fun chatting. And uh, Yeah,
4: man. It's been fun. Uh, yeah. It's fun getting to know what, what uh, you're all about. I'd love to uh, take a trip with you over to Siberia, <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I It sounds like the most interesting thing in the world.
1: Yeah, someday maybe I'll organize something where people can come because it would be, that would be super cool. cool. But, That'd yeah, be cool. Uh, uh, if you write documents it, sound very scary in that situation.
4: If I can make an ask, in your is your book about mm-hmm. that time? Like, are you in the book? Yeah, like, there'll that? be a lot of it. Yeah, hell yeah, man! I can't wait to read that because I'm <laughs> I'm endlessly interested in those kind of experiences. So
1: yeah, yeah, tying in like resilience with. Siberian yeah. natives and what we can learn from nomadic life. You know, anyway, that yeah. whole thing would be interesting.
4: Just a guy riding a reindeer. Too. Just a guy yeah. riding a reindeer <laughs> on the cover.
0: All
1: I <laughs> totally. <laughs> all, I all right, Jordan, man, I appreciate all right, it,
4: man. We'll talk soon. Yeah, talk all right, to you. man. See you later. That's it, and that is all. For the uh this episode of the hunting collective thank you to jordan jonas and thank you to all of you for writing in being a part
0: of this hopefully
3: Hopefully, you got a nice little distraction from Jordan
4: as you guys are all casting your votes and out there doing your American duty to elect the next president, next senator, next t- everything, elect our officials in this country. Um, won't talk much more about that. I'm just going to leave you with uh, that I'm a little bit little bit melancholy, a little bit sad about this election. Uh, I, me and Phil were just kind of going back and forth about why we would vote the way we did um it leaves me this this the conflict in my own mind about who i voted for and why i voted for them um man it just it is making me sad because i don't identify with either party i can't find i'm finding reasons not to vote for each candidate rather than reasons to vote for for those candidates and and this is—it feels like I feel like a man on an island, and I feel like when you are that way, when you don't really identify with either of these two candidates or parties, then you're you're you kind of out in the open for hate from both sides, and it's it's a tough place to be. So I, I'm going to go back and after all of this and reassess my own values. I just wish the best for our country, and I wish the best for all of you, especially you, Phil.
3: Uh-huh. I'm
4: looking forward to going hunting with you, even though we voted for different candidates. Maybe we can heal by going hunting together.
3: Ben, let's meet up after uh, after this election and, and uh, we'll crack open a watermelon white claw. Maybe make a salty Gilbert. Have you tried a salty Gilbert with a, water, a watermelon white claw?
4: I have not, but I would love to. It might make me just a little bit happy because I'm feeling pretty salty right now. I'm feeling alone, which is good because we just interviewed a guy that lived in the woods for 77 days. Um, so if to any of you, out there that feel alone that feel like you don't align completely with one of these ideologies and politics and all the polarity if you're feeling alone there's just nowhere to turn in your life you know who's there for you me and phil the engineer we're there for you
3: yeah well that uh, that depends if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about poop stories i don't want it don't come don't come to me
4: phil's there for you unless you talk about poop stories yes and, sure
3: uh, well all, all, only one also candidate. i mean if you're gonna look down on me for playing video games i don't want to i don't want to hang out with you either
4: also that also that any uh oh, oh, th- one that's more thing also
3: you have to like you have to like star wars um you, you have to like everything that i like and agree with everything Perfect. that
4: I, that i agree with Perfect. So, well, you're welcome here as long as you agree with Phil. That's and, right. Uh, luckily, you should be naming your dogs after uh, various fruits. Oh. And, um, yeah, this is what you should be doing. As long as you do all those things, you're welcome and accepted here at the Hunting Collective. <laughs> you, so we'll keep soldiering on episode 151 next week. A whole new world. We'll see you next week. Say bye, Phil.
3: Goodbye.
2: Because I can't go a week without doing wrong. Clean and protect your firearms with riptide armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little, backcountry parcels it can also generate income in both the near and long term like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across america enough dreaming about it land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space